Hey, good morning. I'm excited to be able to have this opportunity to teach all of you that are part of our New Vision family. Welcome. Those of you who are just watching online through this really difficult uh, period of time, we're glad that you've chosen to, to worship with us. Obviously, this is not the same as us gathering together, but I, I'm at least excited that we have a chance just to to stop on the, this Sunday morning and uh, worship the Lord, study His Word. I thought the worship that our team did was amazing and in, encouraging. I have been super encouraged by the fact that so many of you have uh, brought food by for children. We're working, uh, as you know, if you followed us on social media, uh, with Endure Athletics, we're partnering with them uh, in our city for some of the most at-risk children in our city. And so being able to provide food, I just finished talking with Bob, our missions pastor, and the food that was distributed there, God's using that in a really neat way. So all of you who are writing letters to inmates, uh, cards to college students, uh, I appreciate all you're doing. You know, in the midst of, of this really difficult time, it's a chance for us to really live out our faith in a very, very unique and powerful ways. And so as we do that, I'm even finding in my own life, as I just get focused on the kingdom and serving other folks, uh, I, I don't find myself getting so pulled down in the midst of this uh, pandemic. So today, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can uh, you can obviously pause this right now because if you if you have your Bible and it's in another room, you're watching this in your kitchen or in the den, wherever you are with your family. If you want to uh, get up and get your Bible, I promise you, you'll get so much more uh, out of this. We are in Romans, and we're in Romans chapter 12. And uh, today, I've entitled this message, uh, the coronavirus, uh, get through it or grow through it. Here's what I'm going to say. We're going to get through this. Uh, one of the guys in my small group uh, this past week said this. He said, I know we're going to get through it because God's already on the other side of it. That was super encouraging to me. I believe we're going to get through it. I know we're going to get through it. But here's the question. I want to grow through it. I hear so many folks talking about, you know, when things get back to normal. And, and I understand what that means. Uh, for me, I don't want to get back to, to normal for me. I want God to do a fresh work in my life through this. And we go through difficult times. And this is a unique time in the history of our country. I, I think for, for our generation, we, we've not experienced uh, anything uh, really like this. And so I think it's, a, it's fertile ground for God to do some great work. So we're going to spend a few minutes today just talking about the difference from just how Having a mindset of just getting through it to a mindset of, of growing through it. Now, let's jump into Romans chapter 12, and uh, this is such a fitting passage because I think we're going to see Paul uh, really lay out three things that are going to be so key to us growing through this uh, issue, not just getting through it. Now, Paul, Paul starts this passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, therefore. Now, when he says, therefore, this is a this is really a hinge uh, word to all that he said in the first 11 chapters. You see, you can really simply break up uh, the book of Romans in, in two parts. The first 11 chapters are very much uh, Paul's doctrinal beliefs. This is, uh, he's talking about what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He goes over and over again that we're not saved uh, by us fulfilling the law. We're saved or we're justified by trusting in Christ and Christ alone. And so that's more doctrinal. Uh, now, what he's going to say when he says, therefore, he says, in light of all that you know to be true about the gospel, this is how you should now live your life. And so that's what this therefore is about. So the last five verses of Romans are just super practical. In other words, He's saying, in light of what you know about the gospel, this is how you should live. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Now, when he says urge, it's not, Paul's not really saying, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's not really saying, hey, this is a good idea. You might want well to think about this. He's really saying, this is really a matter of, of uh, spiritual life or death in, in so many ways. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
brothers. Now, let me just say this. He is talking to Christians here when he says brothers and sisters. Now, this is gonna be, there's some really challenging parts to this passage, but these are, these are challenging words for believers. But if you're not a believer, here's the thing. I think this message could be so, so helpful for you because some of the things that has really turned, or really have turned you off to Christianity have really been how folks who uh, claim to be followers of Christ didn't really live these principles out. So you can really get to see what the Bible teaches, and I think that's gonna give you a clearer vision of what it means to be a Christ follower. So again, Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. You see, everybody has a viewfinder for life, and this is gonna be such an important part of what Paul says. He says, in view of God's mercy, before Paul is going to tell you anything to do as a follower of Christ, he's going to tell you that you need to have a proper view. You need to understand what it means to view the mercy of God, because here's what separates Christianity really from every other religious system in the world. Every other religious system in the world says that I obey and then I am accepted. Let me say that to you again. Every other religious system in the world says when I obey, then I am accepted. And Christianity says something just completely different. It says that I am accepted through the mercy of God, through the sacrifice of God, and that motivates me for obedience. And so again, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, that's your motivation, thinking about the goodness of God. And then he says this, to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, when a first century culture would have read this, this would have been so confusing for them because the one thing they knew about a sacrifice is every sacrifice had one thing in common, they were dead. Like you, you, brought a, you brought an animal. If an animal came in and was sacrificed, that thing wasn't walking out on the other side of the temple. It always died. And so Paul says, I want you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. So this was so unique. And what did that really mean? We're gonna break that down today because it's gonna be such a key part in our own lives for us just getting through this to really growing through this. So offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now, now watch this. When Paul says that we ought to offer our bodies a living sacrifice, he says it needs to be holy. That means to be set apart. This is a phenomenal question for you to ask about every decision that you're making in your life. If you wanna, I promise you this, if you wanna, if you wanna grow like you've never grown before in your life, ask this question to every decision you make in your life. Is it holy? You know, what I'm, I'm trying to do that in my own life with what I'm watching on Netflix. Our, our cable bill uh, this past month was, was huge because we're, you know, we're watching different, different movies and just for kind of uh, passing the time. And so, you know, a lot of people will tell me, hey, this was good or that was good, and I'll start watching something, and I'll think, man, this is, this is not what I need to be a part of. Is it holy? You know, that means is it set apart unto the Lord with what I'm watching, with what I'm wearing? You know, the decisions I'm making, all those things are su super important. So we offer our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Think about this. The only thing that pleases Christ in the New Testament was, was big faith. And big faith means, God, I trust you enough to obey you. And so as we're obeying the Lord, that is, that is pleasing to him. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Watch this last statement of verse one. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, the Greek word that Paul uses here is uh, a Greek word, logikos. Uh, it means uh, this is just a logical response to what Christ has done for you, right? And so I think about my own life based on, in view of God's mercy, based on all that Christ has done for, for me, the logical response of my life, Paul's saying, is that I should live 
as a, as a living sacrifice. And so uh, let me just go ahead and read verse two uh, because this is all we're gonna look at today is these first two verses. But, but I think uh, Romans chapter one, or excuse me, Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, probably the top 25 greatest passages in, in the Bible. There's so much here. And then Paul goes on to say, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're gonna break that down. We're gonna spend some time talking about that. That's the only two options you have in your life. You're either gonna be conformed or you're gonna be transformed, whether you realize it or not, and I realize it or not, that's true. He says, um, then when you're, when you're transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you're gonna be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that's a great promise at the end. What we want more than anything else is to know God's will. So we're gonna get a chance to see that. But let's, uh, let's look at three things this morning. And I, again, I am so thankful uh, for you guys just taking some, some time to, to sit down in front of your computer, in front of your television screen, with, with your family, and we're studying God's word together. You know, I'm thinking about you right now as you're watching this, and you may be uh, there in, in your kitchen with a cup of coffee, and in in life, things are so different right now. This coronavirus has changed everything, but it feels good to me that just right now in this moment, we're just together studying God's word together. Uh, that feels really good uh, to me. So here's the first thing I want us to see today, just, just very quickly, growing through it. And, and again, I wonder if this is something that resonates with you. Do you wanna get through this or do you wanna grow through this? I wanna ask you that one more time. I really want you to think about it. And, and the cool thing, you're not sitting in a sanctuary right now, so you can just kinda of talk to each other in your, in your family. You know, do you wanna just get through it or do you wanna grow through it? I, I wanna grow through it. I, I, want, I want God to use this to, to, to really do a new work in my life. Well, if I'm gonna grow through it, the first thing it, it takes, it's gonna take proper motivation. You see, if you're, going to, if, if you're going to do anything in your life, you have to have proper motivation, right? If I'm going to really, if I'm going to really start exercising, I, I've got to have proper uh, motivation. You know what? You think about a criminal investigations. When they're, when they're investigating a crime, what is the first thing they look for? They look for motive. And so if I'm going to grow through it, I've got to have proper motivation. And that's what Paul does in verse 1. He says, in view of God's mercy. Again, watch this. Before he asks you to do anything, he says, just stop and get your viewfinder out. And he says, just think about this. Just take a minute to view God's, God's mercy, right? So when we do that, that really motivates us. When I'm reminded of who Christ is and what he's done, that motivates us. Let, let, let's think about this. I wanna try to illustrate it this way. I have a, I have a really good friend. Uh, he uh, grew up in Murfreesboro. He grew up in a, in a neighborhood really close to where Amy and I live. And uh, he is, he's moved away. And so he, he comes back from time to time. He doesn't live that far, about an hour or so away. But he, he comes back to check on his mom. And, and so when, when he comes back into town, he, he likes to give me a call and, and go eat at a restaurant that, you know, that he doesn't have that restaurant in his town. So just some Murfreesboro kind of places, you get it? So, you know, so he likes toots, right? Because they don't have a toots in his town. And so he'll call me and say, let's go grab a burger, right? And so, you know, we go grab a burger and let's just say we're going and, and uh, Brandon and I are sitting down and we're, we're grabbing a burger and we get, get done eating. And let's just say it's, it's Tuesday at Toots because everybody knows that's Burger Tuesday. It's only $3.99 burgers there. And, and so we're, we're done and I'm like, oh man, I left my wallet at, at home. That's like an old trick. But truthfully, I did. I didn't I have my money. He's like, I got you. And so I, I went with the burgers and fries and water. So my, my bill's five bucks, right? Really on Tuesday. And so, uh, you know, so he pays that, and we leave. And, and I, I would probably say something like this, man, I appreciate that. Thanks for picking up, pay, thanks for picking up my burger. But truthfully, I'm probably not gonna give that a second thought, right? I mean, uh, 
and he, he's got a he's got a few more zeros to his net worth than, than I do, uh, and so that, that that that's cool, and it's not that big a deal. But sometimes he comes into town and he checks on his mom, and sometimes he's uh, I'll pull in and I'm home, and he's in my driveway, he's just waiting and just to kind of say hi for a moment. But on the, let's just say on this particular day, on this particular day, I pull into my driveway. And uh, just so I don't freak any kids up, but this is, uh, this is Pastor Brady just giving an illustration there. This didn't, this didn't really happen. But let's just say I pull into my driveway and I, and I see Brandon. He's there and he gets out of his truck and he is completely pale. And I, and I think uh, something's happened to his mom. So I ask, how's your mom? And he says, well, it's not my mom. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, man, I was just waiting here in your driveway and all of a sudden there, there began to be cars that just kind of started pulling in and people started kind of pouring out of these cars, five, six, seven guys, and they're coming up looking in your window and they've got guns and I mean, it gets real. And he says, I was scared to death. So he said, I got out of my truck and I said, hey guys, who are you looking for? I, I assumed they had the wrong house and they said they were looking for you, Brady. And, I, and, and, and let's just say in my story, Brandon says, well, why are you looking for him? And they say, he owes us, you know, a couple million dollars, and we're coming today to collect. And so for them, what collecting meant, either I laid the cash out or they took, took my life. And so he says this to me, he says, you know, he said, I, I got you. He said, I made a phone call and uh, transferred the money and I got you. I took care of it. Now, can you imagine that? And I know that's kind of a, maybe an outlandish story, but, but can you imagine that? Here I am pulling in hoping that nobody would ever find out this secret maybe in my life, and then it's coming due. And here's one of my buddies who's there, and he steps into that, and he takes care of it. Now listen, when I left Toots after he picked up a $5 burger for me, I'm like, hey, thanks. But after paying this debt off for me and literally saving my life, the way that I will relate to him for the rest of my life will be different because of his mercy towards me. And that's really what Paul's saying. He's saying, therefore, in view of Christ's mercy, in view of God's mercy. Think about that, in view of the fact, think about it, in view of the fact that we are guilty as sinners, but Christ has pardoned us by dying in our place. And, and as, as I think about it, the greater our comprehension of what God has done for us, the greater our commitment will be. Can I say that to you again? And this is what Paul's saying. If you wanna grow through it, the first thing you have to do is have proper motivation. You have to continue to view God's mercy. The greater our comprehension of what God has done for us, the greater our commitment should be. Now, here's the second thing. Here's the second thing that the Apostle Paul is really saying. He's really teaching us that growing through it means this, it means dying daily. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, that's motivation, he says, I want you to offer your body as a living sacrifice. And what is he saying? Growing through it means this, it means dying to yourself. Now, again, th that culture would understand this sacrifice is, like for us, we miss this a little bit. This is a culture that uh, many of them had been in, perhaps in Jerusalem, had been to the temple and, and had, had, had seen a sacrifice, had watched an animal, a lamb, a goat go in and then not come out. Right, they understood that. And so what, what, what Paul is saying here, because this could have been very confusing, he's saying sacrifices are now no longer about taking lives, but they're about giving lives. 
And so what, what Paul is saying is God isn't asking me to die for him, but to live fully surrender to him because he's died for me. Does that make sense? God's not asking you to die for him. He is asking you to live fully surrendered to him because he's died for you. That's what a living sacrifice is. I say this a lot as I'm talking to, to, to young couples and they're contemplating marriage. And a lot of time I'm, I'm with a 22 or 23 year old guy and he might ask me this. He might say, hey, Pastor Brady, when do I know I'm, I'm ready to be married? And I always say the same thing, when you're ready to die to yourself. And they always look at me really strange. And what I say is, if you're not willing to die to yourself, your desires, your needs, and put her first, you're gonna kill her. And that's a pretty outlandish statement, I guess, but I think it's true. But this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, in your, in your life with, with Christ, now in view of what God has done for you, that ought to motivate us to be a living sacrifice, which means this, that Jesus, I wanna live for you. I wanna put your desires, your will ahead of mine on a daily basis. And this is what this is what a living sacrifice does. A living sacrifice embraces surrender daily. Now, being a living sacrifice, this is not a one-time deal. This is something that we, we really have to do every single day. If you're going to grow through it every single day in view of God's mercy, or the ESV says it this way, because of God's mercy, let that motivate you and empower you to, to be a living sacrifice, right? And to embrace surrender daily. Now, here's the thing about the old sacrificial system. When you, when you put an animal up on the altar, that animal was killed. It didn't crawl off the altar. But living sacrifices crawl off the altar. We crawl off the altar every single day. Like we, we sort of wake up and we, we might make a commitment to God, but very, very quickly in our, in our life, we sort of crawl off and, and surrender back to, to the world. And so this is just a constant moment by moment in view of God's mercy, offering my body as a living sacrifice. Let me tell you something about living sacrifices, and I don't think we teach on this very much in the church. And boy, I think it's a really important message. So I, I want you to lean into this. Being a living sacrifice is uncomfortable, it's inconvenient and it is costly. It's uncomfortable. There will be uncomfortable things that I'll have to do in my life to, to put God first. You know, the, you know the, the most important commodity in our culture today? It's time, isn't it? Isn't it fascinating that with this uh, coronavirus, this pandemic, we have more of it than we've ever had? Right? I think the only people winning in this coronavirus are dogs. Like my dogs have been walked more than, uh, than we've ever walked them in our life because Amy and I have taken more walks in the last two weeks and, than we have in years and we just have time. And there's a sense that God's just given us that in this, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. But being a living sacrifice is uncomfortable to put God first with my time, talents, and my treasures. It's inconvenient, right? And it's costly. Most of the time what we do is, you know what, we just give God our leftovers. If we don't have anything going on this weekend, then we'll worship. Like if we have any extra resources at the end of the month, then we'll, we'll give that to God. That, that's not being a living sacrifice. Tony Evans, who's one of my favorite preachers, he, sa he said this. He's, this is how he illustrated it, and it's, it's beautiful, man. It's hilarious, and it's so good, and it helps me so much. He, he said there was a chicken, and there was a pig, and they were invited uh, to a bacon and egg breakfast. So you have a chicken and a pig and they were invited to a bacon and egg breakfast. Now he says, here's the difference. He said, the chicken made a contribution, but the pig made a sacrifice. You understand the difference, right? The, chi the, the chicken left there, made a contribution, but the pig didn't live there. The, the, the pig didn't leave there, he made it the ultimate sacrifice. And so I think about my own life and Paul calling me to be a living sacrifice. Listen, this is why in the church today, there are, there are a lot of decisions for Christ. There are fewer disciples of Christ. You see, but 
understanding that in my life many times, I, I've made some contributions, but I fall short of being that living sacrifice. And so, but here's the point, think about this and then we'll move on. Being a living sacrifice is merely a logical response to Christ's ultimate sacrifice. That's Paul's brilliant, uh, that's his brilliant point here. In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. This is your uh, logical response based on what Christ has done. Now, I, I, would, I would say it maybe another way. Here's something that we don't realize. When we're, when we're a living sacrifice, when we're living totally surrendered, it's really the channel through which God's best and biggest blessings will flow through in our life. I was uh, working on this a couple um, a couple weeks ago, um, you know, th this coronavirus has changed so many things. My my grandson had his birthday yesterday, his third birthday. So we're celebrating his birthday on FaceTime, right? Watching him open his presents. My my grandfather has his 90th birthday today. So I'm just off the phone with him. And so it's just changing everything. So the last time I was with my grandson, I, I think I told you this last week, I'm, I'm teaching him, I'm trying to teach him the scripture. So I'm teaching the story of the little boy about giving his loaves and his fishes uh, to the Lord. And uh, he listened for a second and then he was like, yeah, 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 and just walked away. And uh, it was difficult because I, I thought I was a better teacher uh, than that. I couldn't hold him for just a couple minutes. But I, I think about that story, and here's this, it's a story of really sacrifice, isn't it? Here's a kid who was prepared. He, he brought his lunch, or his mom brought his lunch. I mean, here's Jesus teaching late into the evening. The disciples are wanting to send everybody away because there wasn't food there, and Jesus, Jesus takes that food from that little boy. He has to sacrifice that, and then Jesus blesses that, feeds everybody, and there's 12 uh, baskets full of food left over. Well, what is the point? You see, here's what, here's Here's what I don't want you to miss, that really total surrender or being a living sacrifice, that's the channel through which God's best and biggest blessings will flow in your life, right? It's very important. Now, let's look at the third and, and final point. Um, if you want to grow through it, you need to understand, understand this. Look at the third point. Growing through it means embracing the new normal, and the new normal is gospel transformation. I'm wondering if you aren't, you know, what we're having in our life right now is we're trying to experience a new normal. You know, every meeting that I've been in in the last two weeks has been a Zoom meeting. Uh, I'm working from home now on my laptop. I'm just trying to figure out sort of a new normal. And and, and we'll get back to our, our, our old life. There, I understand that. But we're finding a new normal. But I don't, I don't want to miss this. I want to understand this new normal in my life to grow through it. Look at Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Last verse, so powerful. Oh man, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. What, is, what does it mean to conform? Uh, to conform is to be shaped from the outside in. Uh, and when he says the pattern of this world, here's the thing that I wanna say to you so clearly, the enemy has a pattern for your life. He wants to change you from the outside in. He will use the things of this world to shape you, and the purpose for shaping you is captivity. Maybe you'd write this in your notes. When I conform, when I am shaped from the outside in, when I am controlled, when I make decisions based on the culture, and we'll see what those, those kind of driving factors are in just a few moments, the end game is captivity. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And again, I said this earlier, I wanna say it to you again, this is so clear. There are only two options that you have in your life. Two options that you have. I'm either gonna be conformed 
or I'm gonna be transformed. Those are the only two options. I'm either gonna be conformed by external influences or I'm gonna be transformed, which means to be changed uh, from the inside out. The word transform there, be transformed, it's the, the Greek word metamorphizo. It's, it's where we get our word metamorphosis uh, from. And, and, and I, wanna, I, wanna, I wanna get technical here just for a moment. The Greek word metamorphizo here, uh, let, let's look at it. It's in the present tense, which means being transformed is not just a one-time experience we had. Please listen. This is, uh, this is uh, maybe a little bit hard to understand. When you're born again spiritually, you are justified, right? And so if we have been justified, if we've been rendered innocent from our sin, forgiven and in a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? We've been justified, but then we have a desire now to be transformed, to be changed every single day, to become more and more like Christ, okay? And so being transformed is not just a one-time decision, it's a daily decision. But then the, the, the voice that is used here, it's the present tense, and it is the active voice. So what, is that, what does that mean? It means it, it's, it's not something that you can do, it is something something that God will do in and through you as you put yourself in the right position. In other words, being transformed is a supernatural work, and we're gonna see how that begins to un unfold, right? And, and, and then finally, it's an imperative, meaning it's a command. This isn't a suggestion. God isn't saying in his word, hey, this is a good idea. You ought, you ought to think about uh, being more transformed than conformed. This is, this is really, a, it's, a, it's a command that he's making for us. And so how am I transformed? It's a great question, right? If there are only two options, I'm gonna be conformed or I'm gonna be transformed, then the logical question is, is how can I do that? And Paul answers that. That's the great thing about Romans. When we have a question, Paul, Paul just goes ahead and he, he understands the questions that are, that are coming and he answers them. He says, we're, we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. I, I would say this, I would say this. Gospel transformation is about at least two things. It's about recognition and about renewal. And you say recognition, recognition of what? Recognizing the moments when I am being conformed. Do you realize that? Recognizing the moments that I'm slipping back into being conformed by the en enemy. Now look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. This is a great passage. We'll put it up on the screen. This passage is gonna show you the enemy's blueprint. That's easy for me to say, blueprint for your life. This is what the enemy wants to do to conform you, right? And to, to put you into slavery. Here it is, John says, for everything in the world, in other words, this is this world system, this operating system of the world, and now he's gonna list three things that are all a part of conforming. The lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh is hedonism, it's just living for pleasure. It means really, the, the, the greatest desire in life is that I can feel good, and that, that might mean through sexual pleasure, uh, that, that might mean through substances, that might mean for me through, through food, whatever. I just wanna, I wanna feel good, that's the lust of the flesh. And then he says the lust of the eyes, that's materialism. I, I'm, just, I'm just one purchase away from a happy life. And then the, fi the, the, the final one is the pride of life, is I, I want it to be all about, all about me. And so this is what the enemy does. He, he, he uses, right, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life to conform us. And so if you, if you think about this, I mean, we're marketed this way. I mean, right, if you think about advertisers, advertisers understand, advertisers understand this. I mean, they, they, sex sells. They want everything to look slick. They want it to appeal to sort of this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the willful pride of life. And so that's the way that we are, are influenced in our life. And so I, I say it this way. Here's how I know. Here's how I know that if I'm, if I'm gravitating more toward conformity, uh, I'm thinking more about pleasure, possession, and praise, right? Right? 
or sex, salary, and status. That's, that's when the enemy is trying to conform me into the, the image of this world. And you say, well, Pastor Brady, do you struggle with those things? Well, well sure I do, right, on, on, a, on, a, on a daily basis. But I want, I want to live transformed, so I have to, first of all, recognize. I have to, first of all, recognize when lust of the flesh is creeping up in my life, lust of the eyes is creeping up, or when the willful pride of life, when that's creeping up, I have to recognize that and I have to repent. Now, think about this. Transformation occurs when I start to recognize conformity. And, right, and, and let me just say this. I said it a few moments ago. If you just give in to being conformed by external circumstances, you'll end up captive. Now, I, I want to illustrate it this way. I remember watching an interview with Tom Brady on 60 Minutes several years ago. This is after Tom, Tom Brady had, had won his third Super Bowl with the New England, New England Patriots. W- whatever you think about Tom Brady, he's a very successful NFL quarterback, just a, a nice-looking guy, beautiful wife. I mean, multi, multi, multi-millionaire. Uh, but but he, he says as he closed the 60 Minutes uh, interview, the interviewer's just saying, man, you, you've got everything. And he, he says, but here's, here's what I wrestle with. Tom Brady said this. He said, I keep saying this, God, there's got to be more. I mean, he's got everything the world says you need, and he's longing for more. Katy Perry, who's, who's sold just so many records and albums, and so many of her singles are so successful, downloads just in the millions. And, and, and just recently, last week, I read a, a tweet where she said, millions of downloads still insecure. And so everything in the culture, as we're conformed, it really just leads to captivity. But if we're transformed, that's when things begin to change. So let's, let's take a look at this as, as we turn the corner and head for home. Transformation occurs when we start winning uh, the mind game daily. Because transformation occurs when we are renewed in our mind. That's what, what Paul says. Now, here's the thing. For transformation to take place, you've always got to have truth. If you don't know and aren't consistently washing, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, if you aren't washing your mind with the truth of God's Word, you'll never be transformed. You need truth. You need a trusted friend who can speak truth into you. And, and you need tragedy. We have all three of those things right now in place. That's why in this coronavirus pandemic, I think it, I, I believe this. I think it could be the most fertile soil ever in our lifetime for true transformation to take place because everything is present. We've got the truth of God's word. And as your church, listen, we're, 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 here's what we're trying to do. We're, we have a Galatians podcast that's going on now. Uh, we're working hard. Nick's working hard on a, a Passion Week starting next Monday, a devotion every single day with teaching, Bible study assignments for our activities for you and for your children to study the God, God's Word as we move through a Holy Week. Uh, Good Friday, we're working on a podcast right now. Or not a podcast, but a video for Good Friday with artists, a great Christian artist in Nashville uh, that are recording a biblical biblical teaching on the seven sayings of Christ. So all this stuff is coming. We're trying to do everything we can to equip you. But if you don't have a consistent diet of truth to renew your mind, because that's where the battle is. The battlefield is in your mind. You'll never be transformed. That's why Paul says that I, I, I pray or want you to not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How is my mind renewed? By the truth of God's word, right? So Look what Paul says in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. How do I set my mind? I have to be in the Word of God. Now, think about this. Transformation occurs. Getting God, God's best. Listen, it's not simply a matter of saying no to the world, right? And its values. It's saying yes to the truth of God's Word on a consistent basis. A couple things, I'd encourage you to write these things down. If you wanna experience transformation, 
These things have to happen, right? These are commands. First of all, you have to hear the word consistently, right? And that's what you're doing right now, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Uh, we have to hear the word of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, consequently, faith comes by hearing and hearing the, the message. Uh, the message is heard through the word of Christ. So that, that's what we're doing. We're hearing the word right now. And when we hear the word, it grows our faith. If you're gonna receive anything from God, it's gonna come through faith. How are we saved? By faith in Christ. How do we grow as a believer? By trusting God enough to obey. But how does our faith grow? Our faith only grows through a consistent study of the word of God. Number two, not only do I have to hear it, I have to read it. I hear I hear folks say this, well, I'm just not a reader. Well, let me just be really honest with you, and I can be 10 foot tall and bulletproof uh, here right now uh, because I'm just standing in front of a camera and not in front of all of you out there. Listen, if you're not consistently reading the Word of God, you, you won't be transformed. That, that's just the way it is. You, you have to study the Word. One of the ways that we do that is, is being consistent in, in small groups. So I had someone recently tell me, they said, you know what, you always talk about that, but I, I don't really want to sit in a group and listen to other people, other people, other people talk. You know, well, let, let me be honest with you, that, that's pretty arrogant, isn't it? That, that's really this belief that you know everything there is to know about Scripture and you can't learn from anybody. Listen, every, every week I'm with my small group and, and somebody will say something from the Word of God, their understanding of the Word of God, that helps me and encourages me. So I have to hear the Word of God, as you're doing now. I have to read the Word of God, study the Word of God, talk about it with other people. And then lastly, I think you have to memorize the Word of God. And uh, let me give you an assignment. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is a great assignment for this week to memorize. These are great passages. So somebody right now in the house, maybe there's three or four of you listening to it, maybe somebody right now, uh, grab some Post-it notes and start putting Romans 12, one and two up on the door in front of the mirror, uh, by the leash where you're taking the dogs out to walk, anywhere where people are gonna be pretty frequently and let's let your family just memorize Romans chapter 12, one and two and God will use it to transform you. Because listen, transformation is a, is a spiritual process. Now watch this. We think about this word uh, transform, metamorphizo. Uh, the image there is of a caterpillar, right? I mean, you think about this. When you think about metamorphosis, that's where we get that word from transformation, metamorphosis. You, you, you probably think about biology class and a, and, a, and a caterpillar to a butterfly. Think about a caterpillar, right? I mean, they don't have a whole lot going on in their life. I mean, they're, they're kind of chunky. They don't move very fast. They're not attractive at all. But at some point, a caterpillar, or to me, they're not, a, a caterpillar at some point in their life, it goes into a chrysalis where they are covered up. And, and really, it's like this, uh, uh, you know, a, uh, a sleeping bag, if you will, that just covers them up. That's a bad illustration. But anyways, they're in this chrysalis. And when they get inside that chrysalis or inside that cocoon, do you know what happens? An enzyme is released from that caterpillar's body that changes their body to just soup, to mush. And then over the course of a couple weeks, there is this organic change, right? This chemical change, and this caterpillar comes out as a, a butterfly, right? There is this major, major metamorphosis, this major transformation that happens and changes and takes place. And that's what Paul says can happen to your life and my life spiritually. Now, one of the things that's interesting when you, when you see or if you've ever seen uh, a butterfly, butterfly coming out of its chrysalis, you know, it will start to, to, to eat its way out of that. Now, uh, biologists say the worst thing you could do, you could ever do is to, to go up and maybe take a razor blade and slit that and make it easier for them to come on out of that chrysalis because they need to struggle. As they're struggling out of the chrysalis, that's what moves all of these chemicals and everything in their body down to where it needs to be, strengthens the body so when they come out, they can fly. And I think that's what's happening right now. 
We're in, we're in a struggle, we're in a, we're in a difficult place, and we want the struggle to be over so quickly. But don't miss what God is trying to do to grow you in and through it, because this struggle is this fertile field for God to grow you and for you to move from being conformed to being transformed, and that's a supernatural change. Now listen, how will I know I'm beginning to experience transformation? Your desires will start to change. You'll begin to, to notice that. you uh, Guys, beginning to see a woman and, and not see her as an object of your own pleasure and desire, but to see her as a sister in Christ. You'll begin to see money differently. It's not something that I'm trying to acquire for my, myself selfish gain. It's a tool to use for advancing the kingdom status. I'm not so concerned about my image anymore. I want to decrease so Christ can increase. And then lastly, look at this. Uh, Paul says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen to this great promise. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, when your mind is renewed, God's will will be revealed. We think, we want to know God's will. And, and, and we, we think it's a choice. We're like, we like, we wanna come, and I hear people say this all the time, and this is gonna be maybe just a little bit confusing. People say, I wanna know God's will. Should I, should I marry this girl? Should I take this job? Should I move to this city? What is God's will in this situation? God, tell me, tell me, tell me. That's not the way it works most of the time. It's not the way I got these three choices. God, tell me, tell me, tell me which door it's behind, and, and then I'll know. You see, here, here's, here's the way it works. As we reject conformity and start being transformed by the renewing of our mind, then we begin, a byproduct, we begin to understand God's will for our life in each and every situation. That's a byproduct, that's this great promise, it's what we want. St. Augustine said this, he said, God's goal for you is for you to love him and then do what you want. Because when you love him and think like him, you'll want what he wants, you see? And that's what Paul is saying here. You know, as we, uh, come to a close of our, our time today. Let me ask you again, do you wanna just get through this or do you wanna grow through this? Growing through it takes proper motivation. Growing through it takes really my desire to, to die daily, being a living sacrifice. I think, it, I think it takes answering this question, if I can be so bold, I'm asking myself, uh, this question, does my life make sense? And you say, what are you talking about, does my life make sense? In light of all that Christ has done for me, does my response to that make sense? In the way that I'm spending my time, the things that I'm involved in, the things that I'm living, does, does my life make sense? Here's another question. In what area of my life as a believer am I prone to crawl off the altar? What is an area that, man, I, I, I'm just so prone to crawl off in, in such, a, such a quick way? And understanding, you know what? Being a living sacrifice is gonna be uncomfortable and inconvenient and costly. Growing through it means embracing the new normal. What's the new normal? Gospel transformation. That, that's part of our mission statement here at New Vision. We wanna guide people to lives of gospel transformation. We have to reject conformity, renew our minds, and experience this transformation. You know, there's one phrase that we didn't touch on, and some of you are like, dude, you've been talking for, it seems like, three hours. I think you've touched on everything. But Paul says, in view, therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you, in view. You see, for some reason, our viewfinder uh, is out of focus so many times. And, and for you, I wonder today, you're watching this, I wonder if your viewfinder is out of focus and you've misunderstood the nature of God. 
maybe just because of things that have happened to you, circumstances and situations, and you thought, you thought that's how he was. Can I tell you how he is? He's someone who loves you so much he was willing to die in your place. You've never been loved like God loves you, and no one wants to do in and through you what God wants to do in and through your life. And see, the problem is that your viewfinder has been clouded by circumstances and situations. You know, the other problem we think about in view is uh, we, we've been gazing out the wrong window. I never will forget, years ago, I was flying down into South America to meet with uh, some ministry partners, and I was going to the country of Panama, not Panama City, the country of Panama, and I was super excited about seeing the Panama Canal. I'd heard folks talk about that. So we were flying to Panama at night, and I, I was sitting on the right-hand side of the plane as I'm facing forward, and on the, le the left-hand side of the plane, it erupted. I mean, everybody is standing up and looking outside the window, and they were talking, and they're just looking, and they're excited, and they're taking pictures with their phone, and I'm sitting over there like, I see nothing. And so what they saw is they were seeing the Panama Canal and they were seeing all these ships lined up out there waiting to get through the Panama Canal. And they said, I didn't get to see it. They said it was like just a floating city that was just lighting up and it was amazing. And I'm sitting here looking outside the other window. I didn't see, I didn't see a thing. And, and sometimes I wonder if that isn't our problem. We're looking out the wrong window in view. Our view has been wrong. We have been so focused on all these other things. We've been so focused on career. Uh, we've been maybe so focused just on our, just on our, our children and their education. We, we, we've been, and that, these aren't bad things. I'm not saying these, are, these are, are bad things. We've been maybe so focused just on hobbies or activities or political agenda. We've been so focused on all these other things. We have missed the glory and the majesty of who he is and what he wants to do. And I'm just not so sure if during this difficult time that maybe there isn't a chance just to change windows and begin to gaze upon him and for the first time in your life to see what he is like. As the scripture says, taste and see the Lord is good. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, theologian said this, the sinking sand of this world is a, is a, is a constant reality. That's just true. I mean, this world is a is a sinking ship. We don't like to think about that because we put all our eggs in this world's basket. He said, the sinking sand of this world is a constant reality, but it often takes the storms of life to reveal it. I think that may be where you are to say, you know what, that is so true. I have been living for all these things over here, things that I've, I've put so much stock in. I have I put so much time, effort, and energy in, in investing in all of these things, and I realize how futile they are. They have been taken away in just a moment. And perhaps the powerful thing about this time is you get a chance to take a look out another window and get a chance to see God for who he is and let him do what he wants to do in your life. My encouragement to you today, if you've never trusted him, would you trust him as your savior and Lord? Would you just tell him, God, I've been looking out the wrong window. And today, for the first time in my life, I realize how much you've loved me. I realize you died in my place, and I'm admitting my sin to you today. I'm ad admitting my indifference and my defiance, and today I'm running into your arms. I trust you as my Savior and Lord. Some of you as believers, maybe today you'd say something like this. I, I feel like the chicken that came to the bacon and egg breakfast. I've, I've made some contributions, but I've really fallen short of being that living sacrifice. In view of God's mercy, I want to offer my body today as a living sacrifice. And I want to reject conformity, and God, I, I want to be transformed. 
and that's gonna be the new normal in your life. I'm excited to see what God does in and through you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this moment in time. Now, would you take your word through the power of your Holy Spirit and do a great work in our lives. And Father, our prayer today is simply this. We don't wanna get through this. Lord, we wanna grow through this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name.